Uh, um, <clears throat> I was uh, privileged to go to a, a pastor's luncheon um, last week. There's a there's a, a monthly pastors get together, and it's a cool thing when pastors get together because they can say things, and no one will go, "What? You really think that?" <laughs> you know, uh, we can empathize with one another, and. Um, uh, one of the things uh, that it was it was over at Victory Outreach uh, uh, Church, which is over off Mojave and Desert Inn, and Pastor Benny, who pastors that church, you know, a- as he was hosting us and and sharing with us, he said, you know what? He said, he said, um, he goes, I need you guys. Speaking to the other shepherds in the room, he goes, I-, I need you guys. I do. And then he said, you know what? And you need me. And I thought, you know what? That's true. That's true. Because because we need one another, and that's that's the body of Christ as well that we need one another, and we need the oneness that comes with that. That's why Family Sunday is such a celebration that's celebrating that. There was a Peanuts cartoon where uh, Lucy had demanded that Linus change the television uh, channel to what she wanted to watch, and she, she threatened him with her fist if he didn't. And, and Linus said, what makes you think you can walk in here and take over? And, and Lucy clenched her fist and said, these five fingers... She said, individually, they're nothing. But when I curl them together like this into a single unit, they form a weapon that is terrible to behold. And Linus said, which channel do you want? And then he turned away in the cartoon, and he looked at his fingers, and he said this, why can't you guys get organized like that? (laughs) Hey, listen, we worship a God who is one God one God. He exists within the entity of himself, our God does. He has no needs and he lacks nothing. He's the only one in existence that is not dependent on anyone or anything else. Because if you think about it, everything is dependent on someone or something else, not God. In Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and I love that because at the very beginning, God gives a summary statement of all things, and he tells us how all things began. And you know that God, when he begins things, he always has the end in mind. So when he said, and when, when Genesis 1-1 happened, Revelation 22 was happening and on to eternity. And so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and that word for God is a word uh, Elohim, and the end of it is plural, which is interesting. It's a plural noun or a compound unity. It is many who make one. Not one God who manifests himself in three forms. Not that there are three gods, as many people say, well, you Christians believe in three gods. No, we don't. But God exists in three persons, and again, don't think human person, uh, who are equal in their attributes and yet individual and distinct in their offices and their ministries. The Nicene Creed of 325 summarized it this way. And this says, We believe in one God and one Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, begotten of the Father, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father and in the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? All right. So the Father was involved in creation. John 1, 1 tells us so was Jesus. And Genesis chapter 1, verse 2 tells us that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation as well. And so you have God the Father, uh, you, you have the Lord Jesus Christ, the Word of the Lord, and then you have the Holy Spirit hovering over the waters and, and bringing everything together as the Lord speaks. So you have 
uh, in that a diversity, and yet you have a unity. And you have, as Ravi Zacharias, the Christian apologist, says that you have unity or diversity, unity and diversity in the first cause, and the first cause is God. The first cause is God. So as we worship a God who is who is one, but who is many, that is three, then it would make sense that his people and that his creation would reflect that unity as well, right? Okay, and so Adam lives in a perfect environment. Everything is perfect. The animals, there's perfection, the, the, uh, the, the fields, the, the, the fruit of the fields, I mean, everything was absolute, it was beyond organic, uh, it was just absolute perfection, and yet the Bible tells us there was one thing that was lacking. Now, Adam lives in perfection. He's got this incredible intelligence. He, he names all the animals, and they're all paired up, but he's not paired up with anyone. There's no one corresponding to him. And so God says, after all these things are good, he says, okay, that's not good. Because God is a God uh, who is one, but is three, and he exists within the entity of himself, and he wants to reflect that oneness and that unity of many coming together. Okay, so there's no one for Adam to be one with. And God says, that's not good. And so he creates Eve. Marriages exist to glorify God amongst all things. Marriage exists to glorify God in all things. Marriage exists to evangelize those who don't know Jesus. How many of you would agree with me that there are people who don't know Jesus who really, really need to see a witness of a husband and a wife, not perfect, but grinding it out, making it happen, choosing to love one another by the grace of God? And it's for companionship and, and for friendship. And also to reflect the oneness of God. Marriage. To reflect the oneness of God. Two, who he says will come together and be one. Two who are of the same species and yet are vastly different from one another. And if you're a young person here or uh, maybe you, uh, you're not married yet, you just want, you know, if you're looking for someone who is compatible to you, let me just tell you, there might be some similar likes. There might be some things that you, you both agree on, but there is, no, there is no compatibility in that sense between a man and a woman. I mean, we're, we're the same, and yet we're very different from one another. I've told you many times there are times when, when, when my wife thinks certain things, and it just makes me laugh because I think, you know, in 10 trillion years I would not think that. I just wouldn't, and that's okay, right? Because he wants us to what? To reflect his unity. And he wants me to shake my head and go, really? You thought that, huh? That's great. Didn't you? No, I would never. Oh, okay, so we come together in that unity, right? Willingly blending together in unity and purpose. By the way, let me talk to you about a young generation that's before us right now from the age of 18 to 22, speaking of unity and oneness. Here's what it says about the millennial generation. Some of you are in that category. It says they are relatively unattached to organized politics and religion, linked by social media, burdened by debt, distrustful of people and in no rush to marry and then according to this poll it says they were optimistic about the future I thought that was interesting oh okay speaking of marriage God says one of the purposes of marriage is to reflect unity and oneness uh, 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 that's his character 
uh, but just 26% of the millennial generation is married. And now, in comparison, at that age, when they were at this particular age, Generation X, 36% of them were married. And baby boomers at the same age that the millennials are, 48% of them are married. Now, the silent generation, which is that 1960 generation, I think that's very interesting. They call them the silent generation. Not really sure why. But at that same age category, 65% of the silent generation was married. I just think that's interesting that the millennial generation, it's not that they're against marriage. There's some 65% of them, 68% of them are looking forward to marriage. They just don't feel like it's the right time right now. That's interesting, huh? Huh. Anyway, regarding the oneness that we're talking about in the Tower of Babel, in uh, Genesis chapter 11, verse uh, verse 6, you can turn in your Bibles if you like. It says, And the Lord, God said, The Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. Genesis 11, 6. And this is what they begin to do, and now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Isn't that interesting? That at the Tower of Babel, they were so united and so together that as the Lord looked down, he said, you know what? There is nothing they will not be able to accomplish. Why? Because they're a compound unity. Because they're working together toward a similar task. They speak the same language. They think the same way. One people, one language, though they are many. Now, if you'd like to flip over to John chapter 17, this is the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Most scholars believe that Jesus was praying this in the upper room. He had his disciples sing the traditional psalms that they would sing. Then he headed for the Garden of Gethsemane. One person said that this is the greatest prayer ever prayed on earth. Someone else said it's the greatest prayer recorded in the eternal word of God. And so Jesus prays for himself. Then he prays for his disciples. Then he prays for you and I. His priorities are glorifying God the Father, the unity of the church, the sanctity of the church, and winning a lost world. John chapter 17, verse 20. This is what the Lord Jesus says. I am praying not only for these disciples, those who are before him, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. That's you and me. I pray that they will all be one. Jesus says, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and they are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. And so the Lord prays that the church would be one. How? Just as he and the Father, uh, the perfection of unity that existed from eternity past and eternity in the future, Christ prays that the church would be one just like that. The unity of the Christians is linked to the way the church represents Jesus to the world. He is saying that that those outside of Christ would notice the way that we as believers in Jesus love one another and live together in harmony, live in grace. How are we doing with that? How are we doing in in our oneness? That people may not see Jesus, 
But what they can see is you and I and our unity and our oneness. And Jesus said that some would believe because of that. That there would be people who would say, you know, you know that church, man, you know, I was so, I was so excited yesterday at the garage sale. I, mean, I don't even like garage sales. I don't. I mean, like when someone suggested we do a garage sale, I went, yeah, I, ah. and I thought, oh. And, and then because there's all the pressure of, of getting all your stuff there. And I'm like, oh, man, there's, you know, by the time we you know, get it down there and, and, and hauling it back. And it's like, I never want to bring it. It's like, you know what? Who wants it? Like, by the, I'm like the guy, like at the end of the garage sale, at the, I got a free sign up. Take whatever you want. I just don't want to haul it back. I know, you know, just. But I was so excited telling people about our church. And then the beauty of garage sales is twofold. One is that a lot of church people show up and buy church stuff. Yeah, a lot of stuff was changing hands out there, body of Christ. It was like, oh, how you doing, sister? God bless you. How much you want for this? <laughs> what? I mean, I'm like, you know, I mean, we appreciate you giving to the church, but y'all, a lot of y'all gave yesterday, too. And that's all right. We're here to bless one another, right? Stuff, folks was giving stuff away. Mr. Bill was giving away the house. Man, he gave away some stuff. And I was like, I'm not listening. <laughs> you didn't. What? <laughs> it's my, oh, thank you, sis. See, you're just piling up the rewards, boy. Cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Hmm. Glad sales. Anyway, I was so excited about telling people about our church because there are people who don't know Jesus. Some of these people live across the street. One young lady said, I don't know if she's here. I hope she's not. Um, and, and she goes, you know, you know, I've, I've passed by this place for like five years. I never get, I was like, well, why didn't she come in? And we had this great God. And I'm talking about our church, right? And I'm telling you what, living grace, I'm, I'm, I'm raising the bar. I'm telling people, listen, if there's some visitors that come in here, y'all better act like I said you are. Because they'll be like, oh, no, man, these people Man, I don't want anybody coming here going, that was not anything like that, Pastor. He lied to me. No. I was like, man, we're, we're multicultural. We're multigenerational. And I was explaining the youth ministry. And, and we had the kids out in the streets pulling in cars with the signs. They did a really good job, except they kept screaming and hollering. And all the parents would go like that the whole time. Uh, but but I, was, I, was, uh, I was bragging on you guys. I was. And, you know, today's a reflection of that, too. It really is. Praise the Lord. That's by his grace and by his mercy. And people would see the unity and the, and the, and the togetherness that we have, and, and they would say, I want to know more about Jesus. And so uh, the Lord prays for that within his body. As the, as the Lord is one, he prays for his body to be one, and then that seeps into an individual families as well, that we would be one. And see, the Lord doesn't leave anybody out. You might be single. You might be a young adult. You might be thinking, well, you know, I don't have any family here. No, you do have family here. So the Lord, Jesus models that. Uh, you might remember in Luke chapter 2, uh, the, um, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary take Jesus uh, uh, to Jerusalem. And, uh, and there's probably a big crowd. Don't think just like one family. There's a big crowd of people. And they go to Jerusalem and... Uh, and, and, and they all leave. Okay, everybody, okay, we got the donkeys, we got the, uh, we got the spice, okay, uh, did you get that extra olive oil? Okay, let's roll. And they get out of Jerusalem, and then someone looks at, uh, where, where's Jesus? I mean, like, you talk about, pre now, you know, being the parents of the Messiah would be pressure, right? I mean, you're always wanting, and they forgot Jesus. And unfortunately, some people today forget Jesus, too. 
you know. And we heard a testimony of someone who forgot Jesus. But you know what? Even when we forget him, he does not forget us. Amen? Amen? Well, anyway, you remember how they came back and they're like, how could you do this to us? And Jesus says this in verse 49. But why did you need to search? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? Verse 50 says, but they didn't understand what he meant. It says this, then he returned. This is Jesus. He models family unity and oneness. He says, but he returned with them to Nazareth uh, with them and was obedient to them. And his mother stored all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and all people. Yeah, he, he, he submitted himself to them. He was obedient to them. And so family unity first starts in the home. Ephesians 5.21 says this, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Mutual submission within the home. 1 John 4.7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, uh, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Deuteronomy 6.5-9 says this, You shall love the Lord uh, your God with all your heart and all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Hey, listen, here is, here, is, here is youth ministry, Deuteronomy style, okay? Old Testament youth ministry, which we believe in and we're reviving here within our church. We believe that, parents, it is your responsibility to raise your children in the Lord, and we want to come alongside you in what you do. We want to try to help you in that because it's biblical. It says, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. When you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gate, the Lord says. That means there, there's a lot of the word of the Lord going forth in that house. Hey, in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 through 4, he speaks of this. He says, children, everybody say children. Obey your parents in the Lord. I know some people are like, I see right there. Look at that. Read it. You need to memorize that one. Don't worry. There's one for your kids to memorize too. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you that you may live long in the land. Family unity. And he says this, dads. Any dads in the house? No? Okay, a couple, right on. A couple, you know what's coming. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Isn't it interesting he says that to dads? Why not mothers? Why not Holy Spirit put mother? Why? How about fathers and mothers? I think because there's a propensity that men have to do this, to provoke our kids. And he says this, he goes, don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. There it is again, that family unity, that, that family oneness. First uh, Timothy 5, 1 through 3 says this. Speaking of unity within the body of Christ and within the home. Never speak harshly to an older man. First Timothy uh, 5, 1. Never speak harshly to an older man but appeal to him respectfully as you would your own father. Okay? Secondly, talk to younger men as you would to your own brothers. 
Thirdly, treat older women as you would your mother. Fourthly, young men, listen to this. You may have never heard this before. Young men, listen to this. And treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. And the assumption is you are treating your sister that way. Brothers, young brothers, no, 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 no looking back and forth, no, no pointing. I feel some younger brothers feeling empowered right now, younger sisters. Treat younger women with all purity as you would your own sisters. And then take care of any widow who has no one else to care for her. Okay, so here's, here's what I'll begin. Uh, here's what I'll begin. Okay, I want to just kind of cement this. Turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Daniel and Trina, you guys are coming up next here. Okay. Daniel's like, what? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 says this. Since you have, out of obedience to the truth, purified your souls for sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is imperishable, which is perishable, but is imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. Okay, so here's the, here, here's, here's the, the bottom line of, of this oneness and this unity that we're talking about. Here's where it, 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 it begins in the, in the Lord, in God, who is one, who is a compound. That's where it begins. Uh, he, is, he is three, but he is one. And, and then, and then he, he, he wants that in his church body. But, but first, it must be within the home. And the most significant relationships that we will have. And, and, and then, but first, it must be in us individually. So, since, since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your heart for a sincere love, and that word is phileo, brotherly love. You, you purified your heart for love for one another, for the brothers and sisters, so to speak. Then he says this, fervently. So, so don't stop with the phileo, brother, brotherly love, but, but move on. Fervently love, that word is agape. agape. Move on to a, to a Christ-like love. An unconditional love for one another from the heart. Why would you do that? Because you've been born again. That means you're in relationship with God. And so because you're in relationship with God, you're in relationship with his people. And you move on from phileo love to agape love, to where you fervently love one another from the heart. Okay? But, but that's, that's where it, it you know, when, when, when Martine was talking about what God began to do in his life, it was a, re, it was a result 
of his family coming to know the Lord. And it was a result of him surrendering to the Lord and becoming born again. And, and, and he became born again, and God began to move in his life in some ways that he never had before. See, that's, that's where it all starts. And that is through the living and, and enduring and abiding word of God. Okay? Okay? So, so I want to invite you, first and foremost, into relationship with Jesus. I want to, I want to invite you into relationship with Jesus. I do. Uh, uh, I, I want to encourage you to come to know him, to, uh, uh, to uh, prayerfully consider entering in relationship with him. Uh, he is unique amongst anyone who's ever been born. Jesus never came to establish a religious system. He came to establish a relationship because he is a God of relationship. He knows all your faults. He knows all your frailties. He knows all your mess-ups. He knows the things you've done wrong. He knows the things you're doing wrong right now. He already knows all of that, and yet he still has chosen to present himself to you and give you an opportunity to come to him and to love him fervently from your heart and to join in this family that we call church and to be a part of something bigger than yourself and to be part of the grand scheme of what he has for all of eternity. But you must first come to know him. First and foremost, you must come to know him. Uh, and, and a little bit later on in our time here, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to ask you uh, to come into, you know what, I'm going to do it right now. I'm going to do it right now. I, I don't like to wait. Uh, I, just, I just want to, want, to, want to encourage you to receive Jesus. Why? Because of these things that we've spoken about. Because of his great love for you. Uh, that he would come and live for you and die for you, uh, that you would would consider relationship with him. Let's pray, shall we? Father God, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you for this 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 time that we've already had. Thank you for what you're going to do, and and Lord, that that you would move upon the hearts of people in this place, Lord, that no one can come to you but you draw them, and and and, and the testimonies that we've heard today are about you drawing people to yourself. Now, Lord, that you would draw us unto you and maybe anybody here that has not uh, made that decision to acknowledge who you are to turn from their sin and to say Jesus I need you in my life uh, I want to be a part of, of, of uh, uh, I want to give my life to you and Lord if you will use me in any way th th then amen uh, but there's something deep within the core of who I am that is that is drawing me to that and Lord, uh, uh, by your spirit that you would do that, Lord. And so if, there, if there's anyone here this, this morning and, and that's, that just resonates with your heart and you just feel like, you know what, I need that. I need that. I need Jesus in my life. Uh, maybe it's, 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 it's something like like, like, like Yvonne said, you know, I, I've heard, I heard about it before. I mean, I, I knew about it, but I was resisting. Or maybe even like Martine who said, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even want to hear it. I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't trying to hear it. But there was something that was drawing him. That was God's spirit. And there's something drawing you this morning, maybe. And if that's you and you want to acknowledge that, you want to say, you know, I need Jesus in my life. And, and I, I want to uh, uh, um, turn from my sin. I want to join Jesus. I want to join you in what you're doing. If that's you, would you raise your hand that we might pray with you? Anyone at all this morning would say, yes, Lord, I need that. God bless you, brother. God sees your hand. God sees your heart. God sees your heart, brother. God sees your heart. Absolutely. God, God, God knows. God knows. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? I just raise your hand up. Raise your hand if that's you. Anybody? Oh, young people, old people, a lot of young people sometimes come to know Jesus. 
Hallelujah. Anyone else? All right. Father God, we just thank you. We give you all the praise. We give you all the honor for even a young man who would say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Lord, that you would, you would, would write you, his name in your book and that, Lord, you would begin a new thing unlike anything you've, he's ever experienced before. Lord, we know that it's not about a raising of the hand, but it's about an acknowledging you. It's about a surrendering to you. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Listen.